Hey, this is a new episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP number 113. I'm your host, Dorian, and on today's podcast, we hang out with Lil Wayne and the Houston Astros and special guest Laura Bernheim, a librarian in Massachusetts, talks about the Boston Red Sox and late fees. And I'm going to talk to you first about what I'm drinking. And in my hands, I have a good beer. It's called Red Velvet. It's an imperial dessert stout from a good American local brewery called Star Hill Brewery in a small town called Crozet, Virginia. Crozet, Virginia is in the middle of nowhere. I think it's like, I don't know, 45 minutes, an hour from west of Washington, D.C. You're going to have to hold on because I'm going to have a drink. Normally, I don't go for dessert stouts. The Imperial Dessert Stout from, it's called Red Velvet. It's almost like, it doesn't taste like Red Velvet like you would have like at a wedding or something. But sometimes, I'm always for challenging yourself in life. So I was like, let me get out of my comfort zone. From brown ales, from pilsners, from stout, uh, it's not stouts, what is it, sours? Because you have to challenge your taste buds. You have to challenge your what you like, what you're comfortable in. If not, life you don't grow as a person. All right, I, I promise this isn't going to be a self-help podcast. <laughs> and as always, you can see a picture of what I'm drinking on our social media accounts if you want to follow. And if you don't, believe me, not a big deal. But on Instagram, we are at Hipster Baseball Podcast. And on Twitter, we are at HBP4040. Go ahead and follow us. Give us a review on whatever platform you're listening to. But if you don't, you already know what I'm going to say. No big deal. Moving on. You know what I found really interesting? A young man. Maybe not a young man, but a man by the name of Dwayne Michael Carter Jr. He visited the third place America in the American League West Division, Houston Astros, back on Tuesday, the 2nd of May. Some of you may know who Dwayne Michael Carter Jr. is by his alias, his stage name, Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne was in Houston for a show on Tuesday night, but before he went to a show, he went to go see the Houston Astros. And this was before the Astros beat the San Francisco Giants two to nothing. So he hung out with them and he and he met a bunch of people. But one of the people that Lil Wayne met, for those of you who don't know Lil Wayne, he is a an American hip hop artist. He's not he's an American hip hop, I'm gonna say a musician. And I'm gonna tell you why in a minute. Lil Wayne met Houston Astros third baseman, Alex Bregman. Apparently Bregman is an actual like he's been a longtime fan of Lil Wayne and he always and he listens to a lot of Lil Wayne's music before his games. And afterwards Bregman said, quote, it's incredible to hang out with one of the best, if not the best to ever do it in his industry. He's inspired so many of us through his music. And then just to get to meet him and see how down to earth he is really was motivating, end quote. As a team, the Astros gave Lil Wayne a jersey, and on the back they had his 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 other nickname, Tunchi, Tunchi, but it's spelled T-U-N-E-C-H-I, and the jersey was signed by the, all the the Houston Astros. Again, after he met the team, he got the the swag. Lil Wayne said, "Quote, it meant the world to me. They showed me way too much love, and it seemed like they were a pretty big fan, and I'm a fan as well. So it was all good." End quote. Just like music, just like movies, just like slang that you use. Certain generations use certain different things. And the Astros 73-year-old manager, Dusty Baker, he was like, when he met Lil Wayne, he actually, Dusty Baker got cool points with his 24-year-old son, Darren Baker. 
Because afterwards, Dusty Baker said, quote, I was very excited, but my son was more excited to get the photos with me and Lil Wayne, end quote. So who knows? Give me a minute while I have a drink. Who knows if Lil Wayne visiting the clubhouse, visiting Minute Maid Park, is going to propel the Houston Astros out of third place and back to first place because they've won the, the division for a million years in a row, it seems. And now Lil Wayne is like, they have, there's a whole bunch of people that have now the nickname Lil, like Lil Nas X, Lil Baby, Lil Uzi Vert, Lil, Vert, Lil Uzi Vert, but Lil Wayne's the best. When he was a kid, he was in the gifted and talented, he was in the gifted program because he's from New Orleans in, in Louisiana. I mean, the guy, I, I think Lil Wayne is one of the best lyricist, I would say if Lil, Lil Wayne was in a different time, he would be considered a poet. Some of his lyrics is just amazing. It's like, how do you come up with that stuff? And I called him a few minutes ago, not just a hip hop artist, but a musician. Because again, challenging yourself, what you drink, what you eat, where you go, where you vacation, what you wear, what you think, who you hang out with, challenge yourself. And in 2010, Lil Wayne, hip-hop superstar. He's like, you know what? I'm not done with hip-hop, but I want to do something different. I want to do something that's fun for me because I need to expand my mind, my creativity. And he comes out with a rock rap album called Rebirth Rebirth in 2010. Nobody liked it. The critics were like, this is no good. This is a joke. His hip-hop his hip-hop audience was like, what, what the heck is this? You should be doing hip-hop. It's like, dude, the guy's a musician. Like, it's okay for, for the Beastie Boys, these, these dudes from New York, to, to do the whole rap rock thing. It's okay for Kid Rock to try to do rock rock rap. But Lil Wayne says, I want to do rock rap. I want to do skater rock. And in that album, this was his first rock album, and people just crapped on it. It's like, if you hadn't crapped on it, he might have made others to continue to develop his style and he would probably be doing more rock and hip-hop albums in that album rebirth he had songs with with the ska influence he even had you know who was in this air quotes crap rock rap album eminem eminem made a special guest appearance in his song drop the world look it up go on youtube go on spotify or whatever the heck drop the world eminem Lil Wayne. There are a lot of people that don't like change. It's like, I know you doing this. Don't don't do anything else. Lil Wayne is an artist. He's a he's a creative. Let him do whatever the heck he wants. If you don't like it, that's on you, man. But you know what? This the album came out. Not a lot of people liked it. They were like rebirth, whatever. And Lil Wayne, what did he do? He's, he's I think he's borderline genius. The next year in 2011, he's like, fine. You want hip-hop? Here's an album called Carter 4. Carter the 4th. And a little single called Six Foot Seven. Fucking brilliant. I love that song. He recorded that album in Miami. Everything is okay again. People like it. It's like, all right, fine. Lil Wayne is back. Come on, man. Challenge yourself in life. Lil Wayne did that. And maybe Alex Bregman and everybody else in the Houston Astros are going to challenge themselves to do things different to get themselves out of that third place rut. Again, we're only five weeks into the season, but we'll see if the Houston Astros drop another fantastic season because right now they're going through their rock phase, which is nothing wrong because Lil Wayne 
is amazing. I love him. I don't care what anybody says. The man's an amazing artist. I don't think people listen to baseball anymore on the radio when you're driving around, but people do listen to music when they're driving around in their car. And this week's episode is brought to you by someone who can help you look better while you're driving around in your car listening to the Rebirth album of Lil Wayne or listening to the Houston Astros, the Atlanta Braves, the Chicago Cubs, whoever your favorite team is on the radio in your car. Earl Scheib at Earl Scheib the world's largest auto painter, will paint any car for just $99.95. This week only, you'll get polyutherane added free, a $19.99 value, absolutely free. With polyurethane, your paint job will have an extra hard glass-like finish and added durability. Your paint job will be guaranteed not to fade for four full years. Remember, free polyurethane this week only, at Earl Scheib. We'll paint any car for $99.95. I'm thinking what color I would like my car to be driving around listening to an Atlanta Braves game. Maybe green apple. That'd be pretty that'd be pretty cool if you if you ask me. I don't know what color car our next guest has, but I'm pretty sure that she likes listening to Boston Red Sox games. This week, our special guest is Laura Bernheim, a librarian in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Laura, welcome to Hipster Baseball Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm going to ask you a question that I'm not excited about. I rent, I took, took out a book before the pandemic, and I haven't returned it. Am <laughs> I going to jail? No. I, okay. Well, I can't speak for your local library, but... Um, I know a lot, the libraries, um, the library I currently work at and the one um, that I worked at up until a year ago, uh, we dropped fines um, for library books, as did a lot of libraries in Massachusetts. So um, hopefully that's the same in your area. I know. I mean, I feel like, unfortunately, libraries, whenever that happens, like there's always some news article about someone going to jail for not. That is very rare. Like we, we want we want you to come back as a patron and we want the book to come back. So you are not going to jail. That's I'm... that's good. <laughs> and I do want to say I actually returned it. I think I returned it like two years, like last year. But oh, I returned you're fine. It. You're fine. <laughs> and I still I still patronize my local library. So, yeah, I okay. definitely and I've had I, I, I do have I actually have a book. It's like a financial crime book. It, I've had it for about six months now. So I still have like six more uh, renewals. <laughs> so the reason I, I I wanted to bring you on is because not only are you a librarian, so therefore you, I, I assume that you love books, but you also are a big Boston Red Sox fan. Have you been able to catch up with, to uh, keep up with them this year or what have you been? And also, what do you think of the Red Sox for this year? Um, well, I feel a lot better about them than I did at the beginning of this season. Um, I was actually in preparation for this, um, our conversation. I was rereading the Sports Illustrated. I Every year I buy the Sports Illustrated um, MLB preview. And um, they predicted the Red Sox to come in like dead last. And um, and that still may happen. But it, although they're ahead of the Yankees right now. But um, I, I mean, they're really on a tear. They just swept Toronto in a four-game series. Um, they, um, Yoshida is finally really showing promise, you know, after, um, post uh, the Red Sox winning for the posting for him. Um, I, um, Jansen, the closer, a real closer, um, you know, it was a little scary to get some back issues, but now he's back. Um, Verdugo is having a great season after having a bit of a disappointing season last year. So I think there's a lot of potential. I, 
I do think they're unfortunately for them in the AL East, which is um, a really tough division. I mean, Tampa Bay is, I, I didn't honestly, I really thought they were going to go 162 and 0. I really, <laughs> um, I think what they, they lost their first game was like April 18th, like three weeks into the series. I mean, that's wild. I have never seen that before. So, um, but like everyone in the division is over 500. Um, and even like the Red Sox and Yankees, which are at the bottom of the division, they're basically doing, have the same win loss records, or at least as of last night as the leaders in the, the AL West and central. So I think if they're in any other division, I'd say they're definitely going anywhere, but since they're in the AL East, the playoffs may not happen. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. The Tampa Bay Rays are, are top of the American League East division, and they won their first 13 games. And it it seemed for a while that like like the last time the Rays lost, like Jimmy Carter was president. Yes, it took a while. Exactly. I I have a cousin. Uh, my mother's cousin lives. Um, she lived in Tampa for a while, and so she's a huge Rays fan. Um, which I. You know, I, I'm in my late 40s, so I always joke like that they have no lifetime fans. But at this point, the team is what 20 something years old, so I shouldn't say that anymore. But she's a huge Tampa Bay fan, and she, um, when the Red Sox were playing, then I got a lot of very gently um, texts from her, kind of mocking me a little bit, which is that's fine. I mean, I have to say, for a long time, being a Tampa Bay fan was probably so frustrating, especially being in the division with the Red Sox and Yankees during those like early 2000 rivalry between the two. So, I mean, good for them. I, I can't, even though they're AL East, I, I can't hate on Tampa Bay. I mean, they're it's a beautiful a area. It, 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 I've actually never been. My, my goal is to go to every major league baseball stadium. I have about, I think I'm up to 12 at this point. And of course, then the ones I go to then end up getting demolished. But so then I have to go back and start over, but I have yet to be to um, St. Petersburg or go to a Rays home game. So I, there are plenty of tickets at Tropicana Field. Trust me, I, I've been there plenty of times. I would imagine, and they have the the dome, the dome, the which is necessary. Which I all, I all, I'm always upset. So wrong. It's not the right word, but I'm always peeved that, especially the northern teams like the Boston Red Sox, and New York mm -hmm. Mets, Chicago, the, the both Chicago teams, always having rain outs, snow outs in April, May, and I'm like, I would just take away all baseball games from you guys until you put a roof. Like it's baseball. <laughs> this isn't football. I mean, even ice hockey, they play in an enclosed stadium. You know, that really annoys me. And then so obviously in Florida, in Florida, both the teams, the Marlins, the Miami Marlins and the Tampa Bay Rays have enclosed stadiums. As ugly as Tropicana Field is, they never have rainouts. And it rains a lot in Florida. So that's, tr that's true. I've only been to um. so in the other stadiums I've been to, I've only been to one dome and it was um i still call it sky dome but the rogers center in yeah. toronto and, um, and they just got remodeled this year so you you were good luck for them oh well, there you go there you go um and but i i like that because it's sort of a compromise you can be outside you know, i love the retractable roof i think is the best option and i was there when it started raining and it was cool watching it close because i had never been in a dome stadium before and it was um very interesting because i've only been to outdoor stadiums i yeah, I um, I mean, part of me, the purist, is like, well, there's something about being outside, but Florida's so hot. I mean, I can't imagine being at an outdoor game in August. In I re I remember that when the when the then Florida Marlins used to play at, I call we still call it Joe Robbie Stadium, but that it was back then it was called like Pro Player Park, Hard Rock Stadium, whatever. 
it was outside. It's a football stadium. And I it was in that. August. It would be 97 degrees oh. and your thighs would just be like burnt oh. up. Like it, it just smelled like a bunch of chicken everywhere. You know, everyone's just burning. That sounds awful. And then the issue we have here is the early season game, the, you know, the April games. Opening day, because opening day was, you know, late March this year, which um, not to be get off my lawn. I, that's too early. Anything before April 1st is too early for opening day. Um, but it was colder on opening day than it was when they did the winter classic with the Bruins at Fenway Park on New Year's Day. It, I think New Year's Day was in the 50s, but uh, opening day at Fenway this year was, I think, in the 30s. <laughs> I didn't go. That's Sometimes disgusting. I go to opening day. I did not. Once I saw the temperature, I was like, I'm not I'm not getting tickets. No. I, I don't blame you. <laughs> But you, but I don't know if you've been to a game this year. But just like you were saying, it's surprise. I'm surprised as well as as well as Sports Illustrated. And by the way, I didn't write that article, but I would have written the article because I genuinely thought the Red Sox were going to be the worst team in the horrific, not not in the wrong way, hellacious American League East. And as you were as you were saying, the new Japanese air quotes rookie Masataka Yoshida, he's played really good. And so has uh, Alex Verdugo. I've been shocked, even though I think he is a very bad shortstop <laughs> like i've seen some highlights in some games with with, uh, with him in it and it's like wow like the red sox desperately need a new shortstop but yeah i've been i've been i've just been impressed overall that they're actually in third place and like you said Enrique hernandez uh masataka yoshida and i was and i'm a braves fan and as you probably know kenley jansen was with the braves last year and when i saw him go into relief a game i don't know like three weeks ago and i'm like that's right. He went to the Red Sox and I was like, pretty good. But I don't like is uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Uh, Chris Sale. I mean, it's just it's high time uh, to just cut he, him loose because he I mean, he had a good game. His, he's actually pitching tonight against the Phillies and he had a good outing. Was it against Toronto? I, his last outing. So five days ago or five games ago. I'm embarrassed. I forget the team. Um, And he did pretty well, but. I, I'm worried. I mean, they're, they're pitching. I mean, I feel like this is a mantra every year with every baseball team. Their pitching is a little scary right now, and they're not holding on to leads that well. That's the one that's real. That's going to be their downfall, I think, uh, which is why I'm grateful for Jansen. Um, but, you know, you need the middle of the bullpen and you need good starting pitching and which they have in some cases. But sale still makes me nervous. I my the jury is out on him. He had a good outing five days ago. We'll see how he does tonight against Philadelphia. Yeah, and I I forget how old he is now. I but his um his consistency worries me and his injury prone. Yeah, no, yeah, he he Sale is thirty four years old now, and oh. I it, it seems longer because he seems older just because he's always been in, but not yeah, I was gonna always, say, but he's like, injured a lot since he since he like... came over from uh, the Chicago White Sox. And another thing that I am not a Red Sox fan at all, but. You like to as a baseball fan, you like to see good baseball. Mm -hmm. And as much as as much good story so far, what five weeks into the season, there's also a couple of bad ones. I already we already mentioned Chris Sale, and I don't know how how many games you've watched, but I remember watching. I think I watched all the series, the opening series against the Baltimore Orioles, and it was almost comical how much how how easily the Baltimore Orioles were running on the Red Sox catchers. I don't know if it was Wong or McGuire that those that series, but it was so bad. And I don't know if 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 this, this the if they've gotten better at holding runners and stuff like that because I was like it's going to be a long season for the Red Sox if they're giving up five six stolen bases a game because basically is if you get on base against the Red Sox 
you're all, it's basically a double because you're going to steal second base. And I was like, man, this is going to be pretty long. But that was just my observations from the first week. That was a terrible series, that Baltimore series. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, I um, I have a friend who I we live text each other during games. And she um, she's also a librarian, actually. And uh, we were, I won't read into text out loud, but there's a lot of swearing um, during that series. And it's true. I mean, there were a lot of just close calls. I mean, I joke, I blame it on the bigger bases, which isn't really well when the catcher doesn't even throw the ball it doesn't matter how big how small or big the bases are the guy's gonna steal the base i mean they they weren't even throwing to second base i mean offensively connor wong is having a good moment right now i mean he was one like a triple short for the cycle that doesn't explain his catching so um no i agree i think defensively i love personally a good defensive game i always joke i'm a national league fan in an american league city because I um I love a good pitcher's duel. My friend who I live text with gets really mad at me when I say that. Like there is like one game years ago that the Red Sox lost one to nothing, and I thought it was such a great game. I love I to me the perfect baseball game is a one nothing baseball game, or even like you a are zero preaching zero. to my '90s TBS Atlanta Braves fan I, heart. I, I I my ideal game back then was the Braves win three nothing. Yes, I mean, I think that doesn't get, and actually, I think with the stolen, not the stolen, but the bigger bases, I think, I love when the Red Sox light up a pitcher. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, there's something more fun. I was at a Red Sox-Yankees game where the Red Sox hit four home runs in a row against the same pitcher, and they were the first team to do that since, like, Cleveland had done it in the 50s or 60s. But I, there's just something great about watching great pitching and great defense. I I, I love a good defensive play. I my favorite segment on um I, I haven't watched um baseball tonight on ESPN in a while, but they used to do that um web gems segment. Yeah, that where they show the I remember that. Um, so yeah, so to me, um, so watching you know, the catchers not throwing out is heartbreaking. I I love yeah, good defense. <laughs> we'll see if 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 the if the Boston like John Henry and the rest of the Fenway group are, are going to allow high and bloom the what is he the senior VP of baseball operations GM he, whatever the guy that he's always I was to look it up because they have he's the chief baseball officer so the general manager is actually Brian O'Halloran oh, it, okay. it used to be like one person did multiple like when Theo Epstein I mean granted hasn't been here in years at this point but like he was president and, and chief baseball officer and general manager. Now it's three different people. It's Sam Kennedy is the president. Ian Bloom is chief baseball officer, and then Brian O'Halloran is general manager. And I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I'm never quite sure. Ian Bloom is the one that gets either yeah, all, the gets all the credit or all the right. blame. Yeah. Well, again, well, I was going to say Ian because he also, he, I think he was with the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm like 99% sure. But it's almost, and, I, and I've said this on this podcast before, that it just bothers me. Again, I'm not a Boston Red Sox fan, but I'm a baseball fan. Why in the world is Boston probably, I would guess, the second or third team with the highest revenue every single year worldwide, not just country fans, around the country, around the world. They're spending as if they are the Kansas City Royals or maybe the Houston Astros or the Seattle Mariners. It's, it's, it's almost borderline criminal. And it, you know, and and it, and if High and Bloom and the rest of the exec suite is not able to spend, then the Red Sox aren't going to be able to fix their catcher issue, their shortstop issue, and and obviously they're starting the the lack of the lack of starting depth, lack of starting pitching depth, which bothers me. It's like put a good product out, be a good businessman, and let us watch good a good product. I, I mean, I agree. I mean, obviously things like injuries and stuff are you know you can't predict those, but I I think the thing with the Red Sox 
I think they sometimes pretend that they're a small market team and they're not. And I think, and I feel like that attitude, they got away with that before 2004, but I feel like since then you just, you can, Boston is not a small, it's not, we're not a small market town. I mean, I think part of the issue Boston in general has, and I love New York. I love New York city. I mean, obviously I hate the Yankees because you, you have to living here, but I think there's, I don't know if it's an insecurity with New York or they compare themselves too much to New York. So they think, oh, we're a small market team, but really the rest of the country sees us not honestly the same level as the Yankees in terms of its history, but in terms of big market, we we are the Yankees and don't want to admit it, frankly, because it's like admitting you're the, you know, the evil empire from Star Wars, but it's not a small market team. And sometimes I feel, I think maybe a little less so, but I feel like sometimes the owners do talk like that in interviews like no no because they want to lower expectations with the fans and they want to keep keep lining their pockets with more money it it drives me insane i can't stand the owners and i I applaud i forget the guy's name the owner of the san diego padres who's spending out the nose and the other owners are genuinely openly hating him it's like you can't do this you can't let people know that we can actually spend this money and he's like no i want to win a world series i want to bring a world series to san diego so i applaud someone like the under the San Diego Padres and obviously baseball is not the most popular sports in the US but I always I always think that there are really only a handful of teams in baseball that have nationwide fans you know no particular order the Red Sox the New York Yankees the Atlanta Braves the Chicago Cubs maybe the Cardinals as well as the LA Dodgers and that's really it everyone else is very they can be considered as small market but not the Boston Red Sox yeah no I definitely not and it's um I mean, even like go, I think it's like Anaheim has like a Red Sox bar, I think somewhere in Southern California. And I mean, they charge, I mean, the, um, the ticket prices are, I mean, compared to other, you know, professional sports, you know, compared to like a Patriots ticket or a Celtics ticket is reasonable, but they're, um, I think they have like some of the highest prices in major league baseball. Granted, they have the smallest stadium or the second, I always forget if uh, Wrigley or Fenway is smaller, but they're both around the same. So I get that they have to charge more because they have they sell fewer seats but they also have not total sellouts but they sell most of their games like you're saying tampa bay you watch a tampa bay game and it's i don't even think it's half you're, full. yeah no not even you're lucky if you get twenty thousand people on a raise game but but in raise issues is because it's st pete it's nowhere near the downtown area and all that stuff but you know with boston it's it's also not just boston fans it's mm-hmm. also it's an american institution fenway park People, when you're in Boston, you want to go to Harvard Square. You want to go. I want to see Fenway Park, even if it's in November or February when there's no baseball. They still do the tours. Yep, that's money. Yeah, it's um, and it's you know, it's a beautiful park. I mean, it's I don't know if I'd call it comfortable. Um, and especially going to other stadiums, I think I realize like, oh, these seats are not comfortable, but it is beautiful. I mean, I, you know, I go back and forth with whether they should put a new stadium. Plus I hate the idea of being in some corporate name. Like it's one of the few that doesn't have a corporate name. So it's very pretty on the outside. Um, That brick is gorgeous. Um, I lead on the green. I do love the green monster. So there, there is something very special about it. There is a lot of history there. Um, Not all good history, but it's uh, definitely very historic. So there is something very special. I mean, I know uh, relatives, my mom's from Cleveland. So we have a lot of um, guardians fans on that side of the family and when they visit, they want to look at Fenway Park. So there is something very special. I mean, Boston itself is a very historic city. And it, it's right. Um, I think what's nice about it, too, is it's right in Boston. You know, a lot of it's not necessarily right close to the downtown area. So it's a pretty accessible 
stadium. Definitely. But I, I don't know about you because I think a name like Ted Williams Field at TD America Park rolls right off the tongue. It's very, it's, it's, it's amazing. But <laughs> speaking of history, because the, the the Boston Red Sox are very historical, and you're a librarian. I don't want to go this have continue this conversation without talking about books. Sure. Why is it that there are so many more books written about baseball than almost any other sport combined in at least in North America? It just it, it's mind boggling how many books have been written and continue to be written about baseball. It's so true. And like, I, you know, I like movies as well. Like, I think, um, I mean, I loved, I mean, part of the reason, you know, I know one of the questions you had asked me when you had approached me about this was, you know, my love of baseball and partly like was, I loved like a league of their own. I loved field of dreams. And, um, the reason I went to the baseball hall of fame was because of Le league of their own, because they film a scene there. Um, but I think partly the game is simple. I mean, I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but it's, yeah, I always think of that quote from Bull Durham where he's like, you throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. And I think even if you're not a sports fan, it's very easy to pick it up. Like I've been to baseball games with friends who have never been to a game and they figure it out pretty easily. Where I think with like football, especially or American football, like you, I mean, I was in the marching band and went to a million football games and it took me years to figure out the rules of football. <laughs> so I think that's part of it. Um, I found a really interesting article um, uh, from Literary Hub, which is a uh, sort of a book related blog, and they have a whole article about baseball being a literary sport. And they brought up something which I hadn't really thought about, about that baseball vocabulary is so part of the vernacular. Like you talk about, oh, I struck out. Um, you say you want to touch base with someone because getting in touch with them, even like the term rain check goes back to baseball. They were, and again, this is all from that article, but rain check. I didn't know yeah. that. Because they used to, I remember actually when I was a kid, the Red Sox tickets would have this. What if a game was rained out, you used to be able to exchange it for another game instead of just going to the reschedule. And that was your rain check. That that was their um, supposition as part of the reason why, which I thought was really interesting. But it actually makes a lot of sense. So like people who don't even know the game, um, I think there's just something, I know this sounds like, but the fact it's slow, which I know is one of the big criticisms, I mean, i.e. all the uh, rule changes for this season, but there's... I think it's it's slow, it's access, accessible. I think it's very, because it's slow, it's very descriptive and authors love writing long descriptions. Um, so you can you can talk about like, oh, the grass. And granted, I guess a dome wouldn't fit in this case. But um, I think the fact it's in the spring, like there's something very metaphoric. And again, I'm not saying anything that people haven't already said about the reborn or rebirth of the flowers, like the, the time of year it's played um, and then it ends in late fall, although even later now, I feel like the World Series is going to be in December next year at this point. And so I, I really think that's part of it. It's just the accessibility of it. Like, I feel like everyone knows it, even if they're not a fan. You no, know, what's interesting is that about last month, I had another special guest, Dr. Pritchett, who's a who's also a Red Sox fan, but he does like religious studies. And he was also saying about like the rebirth, obviously framing it in more of like Christian religious terms. But yeah, you're right. Baseball comes with the rebirth of spring, even though I feel like every single year with climate change or whatever, we, uh, we know we're no longer going to have winter and spring. We're just going to have like spring-ish, fall-ish weather the whole around. The that whole is year. very true. We had up and in Massachusetts, we did not have much of a winter. I think we had a couple of really cold days, um, a couple of snowstorms, but nothing that like caused anything to like my library didn't have to shut down. Normally, like there's like one blizzard at least a year that will shut down my place of work. So I, I think sadly you're right. But and there's just so many good baseball books. Like I, I really love um, 
don't know if you've ever read the great American novel by Philip Roth. I have not. Oh, so good. I, um, it's not one of his, and I, I mixed things up Philip Roth. I know as a person was not necessarily a great person, but the book, the great American novel actually had, you mean the I, science fiction writer, Philip Roth? No, um, he wrote um, Portnoy's Complaint, Goodbye Columbus. Oh, uh, who am I thinking about? Philip? Uh... Philip Dick? Are you thinking of Philip yes, Dick? Yes, I'm okay. right. sorry, wrong, wrong guy. That's wrong okay. Philip. Um, so um, Philip Roth wrote a lot like in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, um, sort of. Um, and But this is, I think, one of his lesser known novels. Or he writes about, there was a third, there was the American League, National League, and then there's a third league whose name is Escaping Me. And then it got wiped away from the history books. And the team he writes about is the only team that doesn't have a stadium. So all they play all their games as away games. And it's just, it's just, it's just, it's a really interesting book. If you, if you like baseball and you like good writing, definitely recommend it. Um, the other book I really like, it's actually a children's book called In the Year of the Boar and Jackie Robinson by Betty Ballord, who she's more, she mostly writes, adult, she's an adult novelist, but the book is, um, it's about a little girl who moves to Moosey, Brooklyn, specifically from China in the 40s, after um, Jackie Robinson starts playing for the Dodgers. And, you know, she doesn't quite fit in, you know, due to her, you know, she doesn't know English, you know, her immigrant status. She doesn't necessarily look like all the other kids in her class. And she basically loves Jackie Robinson because she sees a kindred spirit with him and she becomes a huge baseball fan, Dodgers fan, specifically a Jackie Robinson fan. It's a really... It's a great book. It's a great it's sort of introduction to kids, I think, of sort of the baseball in New York in the late 40s, you know, of course, which is um, a very, you know, because after the late 1950s, that time just changed. But just a really interesting how this, you know, this girl like knew nothing about baseball. And I don't know if it's um, if it's semi-autobiographical or not with the author, but clearly there's like a huge love of baseball comes out through the writing, whether um, she's writing from personal knowledge or just loving baseball. Yeah, those late forties and early fifties is what makes uh, Ken Burns have uh, mm -hmm. it's it's heaven for him, and it's yeah. too much. It's like too much. I get it. New York is the greatest city in the world. The Yankees and the Dodgers and the Giants were the greatest teams ever. It's like calm down. Like, <laughs> I, and I like how you said that even now that baseball is not the, the the most popular or even the second most popular sport in baseball, but they still make movies about it. Moneyball and. Yeah. I don't really remember a basketball themed movie. What was it? The uh, the Spike Lee movie with uh, Ray Allen, Jesus Shuttleworth. He got game. Yes, brilliant, right. brilliant. But that was made like twenty years ago. Exactly. And it's yeah, Aaron yeah, so is an exactly. It's 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 incredible how again books continue to be read, uh, books continue to be written, and movies continue to be made about baseball. Yeah, and you're also the same thing. With like when you're in, in business, is like, oh, that was all that, you hit a home run with the presentation, or absolutely what have you. I was gonna say, I just speaking of baseball movies, I saw a really great YouTube video, and I'm embarrassed to say I can't. I wish I were the name of it because I would like to give credit to the creator, but I'm sure if you Googled it, it was basically analyzing the baseball in every baseball movie. Um, like how good, like not how good the movie was, um, but how oh, how it's portrayed, well looked. And it was really interesting. And in some cases, like even some of like the silly movies, like the one. Like, Major League is the greatest baseball movie, according to me. Which one? Major League. Oh, I love Major League. Okay, my mom is from Cleveland. So it's um, I have a special soft spot for Cleveland baseball. But um, I just say I like the original Bad News Bears is probably. 
<laughs> so he has that was a good that's a good one the blast from the past not not so much bad news bears two three four five and six and oh, seven God. but the original one yeah absolutely all right so you've proven your bona fides you're a big lifelong boston red sox fan you are a librarian and you love curating baseball books i'm just throwing it out there and also, you know, that you have your pulse on how baseball is in American culture. So based off all of that, I'm going to crown you. I'm going to take you away from, from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. You're going to have to move down to New York and become the new Major League Baseball commissioner. Okay. What is Commissioner Laura's one or two things that you would introduce to the game, how it's run, how it's played? Absolute first thing I would do is I would get rid of the ghost runner in extra innings. I hate that role so much. Are you? I'm assuming you're familiar with. That. I'm taking you off as being commissioner. No more. Oh, I am sorry. totally. I am a big fan of oh, that are because you? speed I, the game up. Speed the game up. I have I things to do know. on a Wednesday night. Okay. I, I I get it, and at least it's not in the playoff situation. I um my friend who I text with, she's so sick of hearing me complain about this every time it's an extra inning game. And um, it's funny, I all of the rules don't bother me. I, I like the pitch clock. I mean, the the larger bases, I'm kind of indifferent to that, but I'll get over it. I mean, I probably sound like one of those people who still, like I know people who still complain. But as commissioner, you're just gonna get rid of it. So you don't have to worry about it anymore. That's true. So that's that would be my first order of business. May not be popular. Um, I don't know how to do this. Like the other thing, this is also a little get off my lawn. The Red Sox this year have ads on their uniforms, which they they have mass mutual. And um, I think other teams are doing that. I just, it reminds me of, I don't know if you remember, there was this movie called Mystery Men. Um, it, was like, right, it was basically like superheroes, but it, like superheroes never heard of. It, it's a spoof of superhero movies. Like Ben Stiller's in it. Greg Kinnear is in it. I forget who else is in it. And Greg Kinnear plays a superhero and he has- Talk soup, loved him then. And uh, oh yeah, God, I forgot about that show. Um, but he had his uniform, his superhero uniform has ads all over it, just like race car drivers. And it's supposed to be a show. And I feel like that's what it looks like, except it's real. So I would maybe I would get rid of the ads on the uniforms. But yeah, definitely the ghost runner. I would also make it easier for um I would bring back the rain check since I brought it up earlier to bring this full circle. I think you should be able to exchange it for another game and not necessarily go to the rescheduled game if you can't go. And uh, bring back day-night free doubleheaders. You're, so you you're winning me over, Commissioner Laura. You're winning me back over. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, the um, the free doubleheader where you actually pay by one ticket and you get a doubleheader. Now they're separate admission doubleheaders. Get rid of those. One admission doubleheader. I like that because then that that way you have enough time to go somewhere else later that night. Exactly. And I always like highlighting places, especially as you're saying, you you want to you want to visit every baseball stadium, and that means traveling. And so, if someone were to go to a Boston Red Sox game in the Boston area, what's a good local place that you enjoy in Middlesex County? Uh, a coffee shop, maybe have a drink, food. What's some place that you enjoy? And maybe someone who wants to go to the to Boston Red Sox game saying, "Hey, I want to go check out something else from." Uh, you know, the, the Travelocity Yelp review here on this podcast from you. That's a, a hard question. I like because so much has like gone out of business in the last few years. But I really like um, in uh, Coolidge Corner, which is in Brookline, and just um, a tea ride away from Kenmore Square, where uh, the Fenway Park is, is a restaurant called Zoptics. It's um, sort of a, it's a Jewish style, but it's not it's not kosher deli at all. It has breakfast all day, but you can get sandwiches. And it um, I really... I really enjoy that. I've actually gone there a lot after Red Sox games. Um, right near Fenway, um, I really um, 
enjoy Sweet Cheeks, which is a Southern style restaurant. Um, the It's right by Family Park. The chef was on some reality show. I forget which one, maybe Top Chef. And and then you have to go to, I mean, I don't know how great quality is, but just to say you went, you have to go to the Cask and Flagon, which is the um, bar right by Fenway Park, which used to be much more of a dive, but actually has is spruced up a lot. I think it's one of the only bars slash restaurants right by Fenway that's still there from my childhood. I, everything else is turned over that area. So just, you have to, you have to go there just as well, we'll see because I definitely I know the I know the Atlanta Braves are playing Boston. I think in July in Boston, so I'm I'm huh. thinking about maybe popping up there okay. to to see that and make it. So I'll maybe I'll check out a, a one or two of the, the places that you that you recommend because I I'd enjoy that. Definitely, Laura. I want to be respectful of your time. I want to thank you for joining me this week on Hipster Baseball Podcast, Laura Bernheim, our favorite and frankly our only librarian guest. Thank you. This was really fun. Thank you. And I um I um sorry about the ghost runner, but I'm glad I got your comment. <laughs> um, but this is great. I, I I love talking about baseball and um looking forward to actually watching the Red Sox play and hopefully Chris Sale have a good night in about an hour. So hopefully. And I also want to remind everyone, even though Laura hasn't said it, please not only patronize your local library, but return your books on time. Is there anything else you want to tell people when they go to the library? Um, just, um, say hello. Um, definitely support your, like by using the library, you're supporting it. Um, you know, remember us when, um, funding ever comes up as an issue, always remember your local library and, you know, we're the only public building that we don't have loitering laws and we're, we're open for everyone, um, zero to 100, 110. So, um, we are there, we are your library. So that's like to tell people about the, the public library anyway. Thanks to Laura Bernheim for joining us this week. I also want to thank a couple of new listeners from Lome Toga in, Af- in Africa, a small city by the name of Ekimaidori, Japan. I can't pronounce that. I asked the HBP, HBP bullpen to research and how to pronounce it. And even they, they're really good. They had no idea how to pronounce Ekimaidori, Japan. And a new listener from a place called Boardman. It's either in Oregon, it's either in Ohio. I don't know, maybe it's both places. But thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of HPP, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Bye.